morning. It definitely is morning. Mm. Mm. Uh, it's morning, Brock. <laughs> it's morning, Cam. Uh, uh, I, uh, I like that better than using a superlative right off the bat. Is good as I mean, good is barely a superlative, right? You're really just like squeaking in right under the, right under the bar. And I don't think you're actually. I don't think it's saying the morning is good. I think it's more of a greeting, but it's too close for my comfort. Mm. It's a little bit of a value judgment that I'm certainly not ready to make um, every day that early. No, I usually can't even make that judgment by the end of the day, like definitively. Retro, so I'm retrospectively, not to, yeah. yeah. I'm not willing to make it right off the bat. A, a, a retrospective greeting would like be a little bit more, more quant, like quantifiable like you don't you can't no one can truly say good morning until it's finished anyway mm. what if we what if we greeted each other with a retrospective of the previous day's morning oh see i can barely remember what happened the day before morning wise i think you have to go like day segment wise Oh, okay. So in the, uh, well, mm-hmm. what do you say in the morning? Because I'm thinking, you know, in the afternoon, you can retrospect on the morning. Well, you say it depends it on how night. you slept. If you slept well, okay. it's, it's it's good night. Um, You know. You know, and that would be much more informative because that's going to prepare people for how you're going to be. Like this morning, I, I wouldn't say it was bad night, but it certainly wasn't a lot of sleep. So, 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 night. Yeah, I, uh, I, I feel like a, a broken man <laughs> sleep-wise from last night. Uh, so, I would say it's a, it's a poor night. <laughs> poor night, Brock. <laughs> um, Felix woke up at, uh, well, I, I went to bed around midnight, which is not recklessly late but also not super great on a podcast morning. And she woke up at uh, about 1-something, and then at 3.30, and then at 4.30. I think that's it. Is this getting more extreme? No, it depends. She slept well the night before. Um, the problem is she just wants to sleep in our bed. I understand. Our, our mattress is a higher quality product than her mattress. Um, Have you considered getting her a foam topper? Foam topper. Uh, she is, yeah, she's on like a little like Ikea you know, mattress thing. So like, I don't know. She also weighs 30 pounds. I don't know that if like, she'd just sit <laughs> on memory, top of a foam topper. No, highest quality memory foam. It'll just cradle her into itself. And, you know, she might not be able to get out even if she tried. Uh, well, I mean, uh, that is sort of like enforcing her... <laughs> her uh, time in the bed physically, I think she's aged out of, but I'm not, com- I'm almost willing to try anything at this point. I think it's a proximity to mom thing. Uh, you know, more we so. We need a mom surrogate. Is a there mom, a way mm-hmm. we could, um, like, uh, imitate Shannon in well, any way? Well, we need to, well, first we need to kind of establish, and we would need Felix here for this, sort of establish what the characteristics of mom that she's looking for are um because it yeah, can't be actual mom or is it just a body right is it warm certain shape is it, is it uh like a shocking amount of hair that you have to be careful not to pull when you're moving around on the pillow um <laughs> is it uh you know is it is it the soft breathing um you know because like we could a lot of those things are very achievable i could get some hair um you know. Yeah, we could we could put this whole thing together, um, a whole in- imitation of Shannon, and just stick it in her bed. Does she do well if you sleep in her bed with her? Yeah, yeah. Okay, it, it's right, a well, tremendously right uncomfortable though. <laughs> it's her bed. It feels like a like a um. It feels like a, like a Motel Six's fold out cot. 
kind of to, you know it's not, it's fine for a child but like there's a reason that that yes, I, I IKEA know sells children mattresses they're like so this this could you know she might become attached to the um Shannon surrogate would that be a appropriate word for it and um do normal child things that they do with a favorite stuffed animal except it would be like really creepy after a while with this situation where it's like a simulacrum of well I mean, your wife being drug around by your three-year-old well first of all uh, full we need, size we need to attach it to the bed so that doesn't happen i think that oh, like okay. she doesn't use the whole mattress i think we can sacrifice maybe a third of it to like a a slowly heaving hair mass sewn so, into breathing. the mattress yeah it's just sewn into the mattress maybe it's just really heavy I mean, and, right, and it's not even necessarily a human shape. It's just a bundle of hair, some right. weights. Yeah, um, it's 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 hot. Uh, yeah, it's it's gives off a certain heat. It heaves. It makes a um, sort of like sighing sounds every once in a while. <laughs> it doesn't have. It's facing away from her. Like she doesn't need Shannon's face. Like that's not part of it. I think it's just the presence of a of a large. This is uh, being. this is definitely. I'm mildly scared. This would be a great horror episode for something, um, but it should probably occasionally say sarcastic comments too. That might help the realism. Um, Shannon is actually. I, I'm not ruling it out for when we go like wide with this thing, um, and start to you know make bespoke. Uh, heaving masses for various people's children, uh, but Shannon's actually one of the least sarcastic people I know. When she is half asleep, she she oh, really when she's asleep. Yeah, no, she really vacillates straight from like sweetness to cruelty. There's not really any uh, nice. nuance. So you try to keep her in that twilight zone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, twilight, like sort of like where when I when I left her in the bed this morning, she said. Happy podcasting, honey, which was very sweet. Um, but I, you know, earlier... I wonder... Yeah, uh, I definitely have experienced this. I wonder if they regret being nice when they finally wake up. They're like, oh, man. They being wives? Yeah, I was far too sincere. Oh, no, I think... Uh, oh, I, I don't know about your wife. I, I don't think it, either member of a... Um, I'm, of a of a marriage hopefully is not like actively like regretting the times when they were civil <laughs> uh but um uh, she will she will uh uh i mean earlier earlier in the night uh was felix so felix shows up in our room and she sometimes will try to climb in bed but lately she just stands there like a ghost which is a really common child thing to do and then scares the crap out of us because she'll just like whisper something and then just be standing there. And Shannon was went on like a little bit of a screed for it being four thirty in the morning and her being half awake about how I should have gotten Felix before she scared her, which I'm literally not capable of like detecting Felix <laughs> prior to I, that. I happening. do like that because it's totally serious. It's not in the moment. It's it, it's just. There needs to be blame assigned, right, for this thing happening. Uh huh. Uh, I'm. I mean, I'm not. I, I guess there. The technology exists for me to have some sort of like an infrared or child detector uh, sensor. But I mean, I. I think like you. That's the. We're solving the wrong problem in the wrong place. We need to solve this problem. Like we need to go to the root. We need. We need a, um, a surrogate. We need to keep her body. in her bed happily yeah. mm-hmm. before. You have to hook up some kind of dream communication device that's connected to Felix's movements in her bed to yeah. alert you ahead of time. My hallway will look like that uh, the scene from that Sean Connery movie with all the lasers. Um, the Sean Connery movie with all the lasers. <laughs> no, it's... Uh, uh, crap. Uh, Entrapment? Doesn't Entrapment have a scene with a bunch of like lasers? Or like every museum break-in movie ever, I guess. Okay, if it's a museum break-in movie, I will give you the laser part. All right, cool. 
I think that's what's in Entrapment. I've seen that could movie one time. I mean, we could deploy sort of intercepting parent sentinels so we could detect if she gets out of her bed because, you know, maybe the heaving mass isn't a perfect solution. We could also intercept her on her way to your room with a firm but affable robot presence that escorts her back to her bed, or would she have a problem with the robots? Well, I think you got to quantify what... The, I mean, I think we're doing a good job here sort of taking a, a parent as a um, holistic uh, sort of role and figuring out that a kid is... She's three. She doesn't need every aspect of a parent active at all times. We just need to find... We need to work through sort of like what her... Uh, sort of feature request is at a particular time and then and fulfill that feature without actually requiring, excuse me, without requiring the deployment of an entire parent. I just wanted to say deployment because you did. Um, deploying is fun. Um, so I'm thinking like she she gets out of bed and the, and then she has a sort of as a, as a need, uh, as, a, as a user. Um, think of this in terms of user needs, I guess. She needs something before, like, is there something that we can satisfy before she gets to our bed? Um, and there, there's a, I mean, affability is a little vague. Um, I, I feel like affable robots are mostly in sort of, uh, the, I'm trying to think of a single affable robot now. All right, well, I'm, I'm not necessarily thinking about the comic relief character that mm -hmm. you might encounter with a lot of robots. Not the completely inhuman so, uh, child, five, three, six, two, please right. return to your sleeping abode. Mm -hmm. Something more like. We could have it use some, you know, some common parlance, first of all. Yeah, and if you have any pet names for your kids. I just uh, meant like bed. <laughs> Uh, bed. <laughs> like yeah. instead of sleeping abode. I mean, I mean, I understand that you know when you make a robot, it's it's bound to use like more complicated words. That's just part of I it. I think that it would be even better if it sounded more natural, but was completely rush developed so that it would just have blank missing pieces. It's like, okay, now. Human subject 2571, <laughs> go back to your room. I know it's late. Yeah, I mean, first to market is really important here. So we're going to do the absolute bare minimum we can when it comes to like these lines. But the thing is, if you nail that line the first time, you don't have to build the rest of the feature. Like we're, this isn't Siri. We're not trying to make sure that you Siri, you know, you, you it takes a lot of technology to cause Siri to mishear an entire sentence and then mail and then send it to the wrong person or accidentally call your ex instead of your mom. Like that's, that is, um, those are problems that we're not going to have because we're not going to build something that complicated. Um, those are features. That's what makes it endearing. If, it, if you presented perfection, no one would feel it had a true personality. I mean, what is more human than imperfection? Really? We're right. Yeah, and this is leading right into our development timeline and skill, which is not enough. Now, so, if I uh, need one, it would just answer endless random questions my children use to stall bedtime because they know that I can't stop answering questions of a even vaguely esoteric nature. Uh -huh. um, so... And it doesn't even have to make sense because my kids aren't really good at um, fact-checking really <laughs> abstract I mean, questions. you are the fact-checking, right? So you're pretty I, I, much I off the hook. I am the facts, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now, I, I, I feel like I have two completely separate kind of solutions for you there that I think will both totally satisfy the needs of a, of a question, uh, an answer-hungry child with no ability to um, sort of reason. Um, one of them is, uh, like you're saying, the, the kind of association between the answer and the question isn't really that important. So we could just like, we could just load up a, a robot full of answers. Like the, the, the listening part can be a very simple sort of binary 
like when the child isn't talking, then the robot says an answer thing yeah, like that. The that's child it. hasn't spoken for three seconds. Answer. Right. Exactly. Just a pregnant pause. Maybe the robot says, hmm, and then, and then answer. Uh, the other option uh, that might actually sort of like uh, save on battery life um, is only questions. Okay. So the, what's the best way to get someone to stop asking questions is to answer a question with a question, sort of like turn it back in on the child. Um, and of course, what are the best questions to ask that you don't uh, want to deal with a uh, conversation about are questions that don't have clear answers. Um, so what I'm saying is you load up a, a robot with our, our, our aforementioned you know, pregnant pause technology and then only like uh, existential questions. Okay. Okay, so, I'm following you. Yeah, so, the, so the, your child asks, you know, like where do volcanoes come from? And the robot says... Uh, what is the nature of truth? And then just leaves. And you sort of like, your kid is left to ponder and hopefully grow, you know. I don't, okay, I like this angle, but I don't think it's going to work. Children are very resilient to ignoring um, communications that they don't desire to participate in. Mm, that's true. So questions tend to be ignored while their questions ab- have an absolute requirement to be addressed. So hmm. I think we could mix it up. I think, you know, what, the what if the robot, al- what if the robot also could slam the door? <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. My robot will definitely need some kind of, Stern, but ultimately um, ineffective <laughs> ultimatum. Yeah. There's got to be a bunch of ultimatums mixed in there. Well, we need ultimatums because we're not going to have like a really complex logic tree. The robot has a logic tree that kind of just looks like a <laughs> coat hanger. It's just going to end. <laughs> I'm uh, imagining, oh, it's, this is, okay, so first we're going to have to deal with requests for Water and food, because I can see immediately that what's going to happen is my my kid's going to say, Dad, can I just have a thing of water? And there's going to be a second pause, and the robot says, The sun is 93 million miles away from the earth. (laughs) Well, look, dispensers exist. We'll put a button on the robot that says water and they'll push it. And once a day, <laughs> once a day, cause you get one glass of water before bed. Yeah, it, you don't want to pee the bed. Yeah, so one, they know this. there's a timer on there. Uh, you know, once, once a calendar day, um, it will spit out like, I don't know, two milliliters of water, uh, into a, into a cup. And that'll, you know, that, 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 I think we can work that out. Um, do we need any sort of snack component? Okay, so there's going to have to be I, I, the snacks a higher level. Mm. They're, they're not getting snacks in bed every night, but there, there's certain nights where I'll accept this. So it will have to go through at least three or four iterations of um, random question repeats and at least one or two ultimatums before accepting a snack request. That, yeah, that that pretty much matches up to like a parental threshold of yeah. Patience. This is about as yeah. good as I do. So right, yeah. I mean, we want the robot to be realistic, and also we, you know, we want the robot to m- match us at our capabilities and not. It's like, already matched my capabilities no. oh. putting kids to bed. So I think we could even surpass it. Mm. Yeah, we. I mean, that threshold could be configurable, I guess, um, based on like the kids' achievements during the day and things like that. You just set it in the room, and after one or two nights of active recording of bedtime, it just adapts itself to your bedtime routine, and then you place it in your place one night, and then it just takes over. Yeah, you just, uh, and then, you know, between, so this this robot, thankfully, because we're just talking about, like, feature support, uh, sort of, com- like, Limited to the actual requirements at the time. I don't think this robot has the uh, 
sort of um, the, this robot I don't think needs to heave or be warm. Um, I, this robot could really be any, any temperature, and it doesn't need to be hairy. It could just be like a you know like a rectangle or something. Like we we don't need uh, the emotional. This is more of a robot to address sort of um, the child's need for reason and also water and potentially Cheez-Its. Right. It, it, it will have to be roughly human size based on bunk bed situations, but there's oh, yeah. no need for it to resemble any kind of normal sentient being. I mean, really, it could be like, a, a, it doesn't even need to be tall. It just needs like a long sort of like, uh, multi-jointed sort of insectoid arm. Um, <laughs> I like, okay, so maybe sort of a, a giant spider-like robot that can extend interaction arms because they kids do like to have a feeling that you're face-to-face with them, but. Um, well, I mean, if you need, okay, so let's, let's keep this focused, though. I'm, I'm worried about scope here. Um, because you just you just introduced the concept arms? of eight, eight legs, and I'm not sure that we've justified the need for eight legs. I think we just need one uh, sort of. I think a spider is a very you know a miracle of of nature's engineering uh, for sure. So maybe like one spider leg, and then if you're worried about the face, then like yeah, we'll just put a face kind of on the end of the spider leg, um, or near the end, and then a, sort of a claw on the end to hold the the water or the cheese its. Um, Okay, I think yeah. this also addresses another issue, which is that while I can try to use stern language and ultimatums, I ultimately am not very intimidating. I'm a. I think that speaks some good to my fathering, which is that the children see me as a comforting figure. So I think if mm. this creature. Let's just call it a creature was somewhat intimidating or fearful looking. If they were afraid of it a little bit, I think it could be much more effective. Mm. Well, I mean, I, I think that we're well on our way there. At, at the very least, that saves us probably on uh, needing to sort of softer materials or anything. This thing could just be sort of a stark sort right. of steel and the claw arm with a face on the end. Really, right. it's right in line. <laughs> yeah, and like that, I guess more configurability. You know, that you could maybe have a, a sort of a screen instead of a face, and then have different uh, sort of like with the movie Moon, where there's a isn't there like a, a very primitive? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Kevin Spacey. Uh, let's not use and uh, let's not even try to evoke any other aspect of Kevin Spacey here, but just the um, other the than very a primitive faces robot yeah. voice. Yeah, that's right. fine. That's pretty safe. Mm-hmm. No, I think like um, robot voice wise, I mean, what are you thinking? Is this a situation where you want to kind of profile a voice similar to yours? Oh, that's a really good question. Mm. I prefer a minorly robotic voice. I think that goes without saying, given the given budget, um, that it's going to be a sort of a, a, a text to speech significantly. Directly. Yeah, it's yeah, I'm it, will, it, it may have your timber, um, but it's going to be yeah. I mean, this comes free with OS ten. <laughs> Let's not mess around here. <laughs> we the only unlicensed text to speech voice we can find is the ancient one that they used for the time and temperature. The time and temperature is 85, like vaguely Swedish. Yeah, temperature. <laughs> it's it's a, little, and, a little Dutch. Um. <laughs> and uh, a poorly done, but a slightly more human one that has a vaguely British accent. So um, take your pick. There was a, a podcast I listened to a long time ago where a guy, um, right when Skyrim came out, the Elder Scrolls, Skyrim and a guy on the podcast um, ranted for a while about how it was a really good game, but there was this one wizard in the main in a in a Dra- Dragon's Reach, I think, like the main castle that you get to the original, like early in the game, and he said he yeah, couldn't handle guy. that that guy's like uh, like his accent was terrible, and he went on and on about how like the voice acting in the game was generally good, but this one guy's accent was ridiculous sounding, and a number of people wrote in telling him that that was an actu- actually a um, 
a very standard Dutch accent from an actual <laughs> Dutch person. <laughs> um, so, I mean... Uh, his character is a jerk. I know who you're talking about. And yeah. I do hear... I can hear his accent right now. That's pretty good. It's the guy to the right when you go in the main yep. jar. He's, he's on the yeah. right, and he's like, he's uppity, basically. He is uppity, and, but you can also yeah, just steal all like, his stuff when he's not looking. So <laughs> I um, do, I do. Yeah. All right, so we got a, um, the body of this thing, especially if you're talking a bunk bed, um, it's mostly arm. I mean, I think the body just needs to be big enough to hold it sort of be the water and... Uh, and cheese it reservoir, maybe like a battery, you know, a battery if this thing isn't just plugged into the wall. I don't necessarily think um, if the arm is long enough, we don't even have to worry about sort of mobility um, because, you know, you've just got like a 15 foot, you know, five jointed arm sort of wrapped or like cur- curled around itself in the center of, of, of the room around this like base. Um, it doesn't need to move around as long as it can reach the children with its claw. Right. Mm. Yeah. Oh yeah, I don't know if I should. I don't know if we should actually restrain them though. I feel like that's restrain the children one. or the claw. No, the children. Oh, the children with the claw. Well, the children. Oh well, I mean the um. Hmm. This liability. Yeah, I I think that that's gonna. I mean, these this is going to be a package deal with the heaving masses. Um, oh really? Because the I heaving so. masses, I, I, the, the overhead on those things is going to be way lower. Mm-hmm. So we're going to need to be selling those things mm-hmm. at, at, with the sort of implication that they're as valuable as the other. But oh, I see. The heaving mess is just super cheap to make yeah well it's, it's like a it's like a base with controllers situation you know you gotta you know, maybe the heaving masses are you know we could build in some drm there where they have to be like bluetooth connected to the base um or they won't work properly um yeah. i mean if you want to get into like active deterrent land first of all the heaving masses weigh as much as a, a adult human so even though they are cheap to make you also have shipping uh to worry about um, but also, uh, potentially any of this stuff, uh, it, it could have, if we already are building in sort of proximity DRM, um, you could build in some sort of a fail safe where if they move too far away from one another, we have human voice technology already. So we could just have them like sc- sort of scream in anguish. Um, yeah, right, they I, can't be parted. Yeah. yeah. And, and if, if that happens once, I guarantee no child is going to want to pull them apart again. Um, sort of like, have you seen the show, the good place? Um, I haven't. Oh, okay. Well, there's a, there is a um, character in the good place. Who's a, Oh gosh, sort of an existential robot. I guess it's a very, very good television show. That's impossible to explain, but, um, they, this one character does have a reset button. And, uh, when another character needs to reset them, they do, uh, plead, uh, they will say that they are going to do it, and then they do it, which is plead like they are being murdered, um, like beg for their life and stuff uh, as sort of a like a defense mechanism against being reset. So I think That's we terrifying. I mean, it's I like it's it. remarkable. It's a again the good place's ability to do some stuff and also be like the cheeriest show ever is is um, you're not amazing. the first person to say it was a good it's a good show, but. Most of the other people who have said that also might like other network shows. And while I'm not a network snob, it's usually not where you find a certain type of show. So I'm, I'm intrigued now. I I can't. I I actually didn't realize it was a network show. <laughs> like, yeah, it's it could uh, it could fly in any context. Uh, I'm kind of amazed that it has been canceled. Now that you mentioned that it's a network show, um, I'm like in the middle of season two it's very good anyway the uh that sort of like intense pleading uh you know and or like you know cries of pain all that kind of stuff um it, it, that's a pretty solid um and also sort of doubles as a uh boy that's a whole other product line i guess um you could have you, you could have other things sort of hooked into our network there if we can think of other proximity guarded devices that would scream in terror and plead for their lives if they were separated, like you could build a whole sort of ecosystem of, of parental support devices. 
that are holding you hostage. Well, that are that are that are. Hey, they're just keeping themselves in. Look, at that point, you know, I I think that we need the heaving masses to be, you know, a hundred plus pounds just for for realism's sake. But that was originally, and this is how this idea is growing, and I'm pretty impressed with this, is that that was originally just a way for us to... uh Uh-oh, my computer fell asleep. I guess you were still recording. Um, I'm here. That was originally just a way for us to protect against the child moving the heaving mass to another room or whatever. Um, But it's, you know... It's so much more than that. Yeah, it's so much more than that. And, like, the fact that that, every device can't be nailed to the floor... Um, or a hundred sewn into a bed, right? Exactly, or just heavy. Um, but they can all be equipped with our patented, um, you know, anguish proximity technology. I'm gonna work on that name. No, definitely. I think that the uh, the existential nature of the robots' fears should be key because that's the kind of questions or. Let me properly phrase this. That's the kind of answers that this robot will be giving my kids in the middle of the night anyways. Um, Mm. So I think it's going to prepare them to respond uh, viscerally to that sort of anguish, you know? It's going to – there's going to be instances where my child, you know, my four-year-old might say – Will, will they call the robot – what do you think they'll call a robot? Because, I mean, I don't know that they'll call it dad. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, I almost suggested uh, suggested just mommy for the heaving mass, but I feel like um, – Oh, man, this the horror movie is yeah. just getting better and better every minute here. I mean, we do have to consider the sort of orientation, uh, like, deck that we're going to need to prepare for any potential babysitter or relative um, about this oh. stuff. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they might call the police immediately if they weren't aware of what was going on there. Oh, yeah, they just need to be oriented. It's fine. Um, but at the same time, I think I just think there's sort of basic, like, uh, you know, proper name confusion if we just call a, a, right. a well, 300-pound pile yeah. of hair mommy. <laughs> um. Let's just say my four-year-old says, bedtime, daddy. Mm-hmm. What ride can I ride in Disney World, which is a normal question for him. Mm-hmm. And uh, bedtime dad robot will respond like, "Ethics. The basis of ethics is not grounded on any one fact, but one's own interpretation. And the suspension of the teleological morality must be made to sacrifice one's own self to God." Mm. And you know he might cry. He might just remain silent. But that's really going to stick with him. Uh, you know, I, I heard roller coaster words in there, like suspension. Uh, oh, did you just rip that off the dome just now? Uh, I, I threw in a bunch of philosophical words. It, okay. it sort of went together. So no, I actually, totally I actually like that because I mean, if we if we work in some sort of a permutation system where the robot doesn't actually have any sort of cohesive. Uh, answers but what they do have is a series of uh philosophical terms and phrases that it just sort of randomly constructs a sentence out of um that i mean that that first of all reduces our overhead in terms of like a uh, booth time with a voice actor or um or, or a writer or whatever but it also means they the robot is capable of virtually infinite non-answers to a child's questions you know that is such a great point and what is blooming in my head right now is that it essentially becomes a a philosopher. Like I might be listening to this thing. It, who knows? You might start write your own book. Hmm. Well, we. I mean, it's already got Bluetooth, so maybe we could just Wi-Fi. I mean, uh, we could we could have it publishing somewhere, just sort of like passively. A blog. Yeah. It has like, a it has an active blog, and it's. You, you well, it's like a monthly or, fee, but like oh sure, yeah. I mean, we, we could have a Twitter account that sort of like picks the best of or just links out to the blog, and uh, you know, at bedtime daddy underscore, you know, we could just increment a number, uh, 
And I do like the name Bedtime Daddy because it, um, it's got the word daddy in there. It's got the word bedtime in there. Nails it. And, and it also differentiates it. Well, it differentiates it and also highlights what you're actually doing for yourself, which is liberating yourself of an entire sort of like phase of the parenting spectrum and allows you to focus oh, on other things. It's, it's a, it's a total marketing term. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you don't, and, and also like there, that has a, a number of like, I mean, we could really build off of that sort of product family, um, bedtime daddy. Uh, you've got, um, you got sleep mommy, Sleep mommy, yeah, uh, or, or cuddle mommy. I mean, if you want to, I mean, the problem with cuddle mommy is uh, <laughs> as the child gets older, I feel like they're gonna start to be a little. And we want this product to be um, relevant to children as old as possible. Like uh, that, eventually, will have to be a conversation with, between you and your, you know, fourteen-year-old about whether they need to sleep next to their hot ball of hair anymore. <laughs> but um, cuddle mommy, I feel like they're gonna be kind of embarrassed. But sleep mommy sounds sounds all right. Yeah, I mean that's just a marketing term. True. You can call it whatever you want. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you can. I mean, there you can pick look, your own. Look, name. Uh, sleep time or uh, cuddle mommy mm. uh, isn't actually going to be speaking other than whispering gentle words of affirmation occasionally. So right. there's no real interactive situation there. No, it's just. I mean, you 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 turn it on probably via Bluetooth. Like we don't want a physical button on cuddle mommy. We'll just have the you know, bedtime daddy will, um, you know, initiate one or more cuddle mommies on a set schedule. We'll have an app control it or something. I don't know. No reason. Hey, that's a good point. Yeah. We, we get an app and that mm-hmm. way, if you hear things getting out of hand, mm-hmm. you don't get out of bed. You sort of groggily roll over, uh, pop the app up mm-hmm. and there's a couple really simple manual activations where you can escalate certain activities based on the situation you see developing. Oh yeah, there's configuration options, you got body temperature, um you've got uh volume, you've got intensity. Um maybe maybe you know they're, they're sort of like a Mozart while the kids sleep or my kids actually listen to and I'm serious, my kids listen to the Beatles one uh sort of 27 number one songs on one CD of the Beatles. They listen to that on repeat every night. Um, very, very quietly. My kids have taken to grabbing one of my Alexas. I have some of those dots. That, oh, okay. The, the tiny ones. They'll plug it in and they'll yell at it to play them different music at bedtime. Mm. So I think we could have a Alexa integration for sure. Well, I mean, we'll certainly have some sort of surveillance mechanism that reports directly to the NSA. Whether we need to go to Amazon for that is, um, like, sort of on the Oh, face. I assumed it was actively recording at all times for oh, those kinds of purposes. Oh, that's true. Yeah. We don't have to have any kind of agreement with them. I think it's automatic. I yeah, think probably it comes just with a, citizenship. Some public API we can just send up files to um, at this point. Uh, well, it'll be on the blog anyway. Oh, that's true. Well, and man, there you go, first subscriber. Um, <laughs> so, so I'm I'm thinking. I had an idea around escalation. Uh, oh, yes, no. So, so like my kids listen to um, that. We've also gone through a number of other albums over the years. By the way, we Neil Young's Harvest Moon was on repeat for a long time. Uh, before that, it was uh, Phoenix Wolfgang Amadeus Phoenix, which is not really a bedtime album, but they insisted on it very intensely for a long time. And if we forget to hit repeat all on the CD player, it does end. And then we do end up with a ghost child in our room asking where the music is. Um, so it's very necessary that it's on at all times. What I'm saying is we have this robot. I'm not saying we play music or whatever we, we have. This is, I, I feel like bedtime daddy is, um, main feature is sort of existential quandaries. So, uh, since this thing already, uh, you know, we built into the ability for it to infinitely permute, permutate, uh, like uh, construct philosophical questions, we could just have Correct. it sort of muttering philosophical quandaries, just like all night long. Like get that like a of, white noise machine. Yeah, like a white noise machine coupled with the music in the background, coupled with how they say that your kid's going to get smarter if they listen to Mozart all night or whatever. Sort of absorb things. This uh, is such yeah. a good idea. This is beyond 
keeping the kids asleep. This is one of those baby Einstein things. This is right. one of those baby. Give, this is give baby your Socrates. Kids an advantage. Yeah. Do you think? I think Socrates' name is in the public domain now, so I think we're good on that. Oh man, a ton of philosophical texts are in the public domain. We could most of them. Yeah, and like, uh, uh, so at my old job, we had a. Uh, a system, a Markov generator uh, uh, that some guys made where you could um, just upload. I think I may have even done this. Uh, you could just upload an, a, a block of text, just like a text file, and it would uh, hook into Slack, and then you could invoke it in Slack, and it would spit out like three sentences that it sort of like randomly constructed out of the source text. You um, sent me something like that. Yeah, I had one called Miss Spider that was a combination of a book about spiders and also a like a uh, guide to being polite from the 20s. It was just whatever I found in, in Google Books free uh, uh, downloads, and then I just like, ripped so the text So you're saying out. that we could get this to actually work within a day? Oh, yeah. I'm saying we, this that service already exists, so we just need to find a bunch of philosophical texts uh, throw them on there and just have it Markov generate. Uh, I think that's the right term. Uh, your philosophical uh, questions well, all night long. Would you be against me also including amongst mostly philosophical works some Lovecraft? Um, I think that in that scenario where we like the mar- the philosophical texts are going to be pretty dry. Um, so I think adding a little bit of intrigue is going to be really helpful. Um, that also provides a more tangible sort of existential fear. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so I think that especially with, uh, you know, maybe, maybe we, maybe there's sort of a slider, um, where, you know, there, we have sort of two buckets. We have our, our, our philosophy texts and the other bucket is our, you know, ancient horrors and, uh, that's one of the configurations on your app. It's a slider. Yeah. Like you can hear what's going on in the other room mm-hmm. dynamically slide it closer to horror or far or more towards um fantasy horror. Well, it's really all horror. Fantasy horror or existential. Angst. Yeah, it's it's I think it's just an a- an axis, you know, like a one, you know, all, all the way to one it side. Could be like the- a color wheel if we came oh, up with geez. some more stuff. Well, that's yeah, that's that. That sounds like an upsell, um, but uh, well, that's more. Oh, yeah, that's more. Yeah, I, I think our sort of MVP here is I want to be able to specify whether the robots making my children question their reality or their sanity, um, but mm. and potentially a little bit of both. Um, but I mean, it, it's yeah, it's configurable per child or per the child's mood that night. Um, yeah. Do you feel that? And I don't want the sleep, uh, the heaving mass to be. Undersell now. Mm. Do, what, do you feel that there's any room for an escalating threat level for that thing? And, and I think this mirrors parents pretty well, whether we want to admit to it or not. Where mm. we we start out trying to be really nice because you know we do love our kids, but the more they're pushing their luck in a situation where we're fairly certain that we're in the right such as children need to sleep at night Mm -hmm. we become more threatening as time goes on to the point where we wouldn't mind if there was some fear involved right so is there an escalating threat level available for the heaving mass um well I, i mean the heaving mass at this point is primarily going to be I, I honestly think we might be able to sort of save on um save on material costs for sleep daddy or bedtime daddy by putting most of our sort of processing power inside heaving mass which also solves our body heat issue um because it could basically be a heat sink right um right so the the heaving mass is Sort of, maybe that's our data storage. It's the control it's, center, yeah. Yeah, it's it's uploading to the NSA. It's making backups. It's um, maybe at that point the 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 bedtime daddy's just like a terminal, right? And and the yeah, it's a peripheral. Yeah, yeah that's perfect. That but, totally makes sense because it's the uh, the mass is uh, writing blogs, sending out tweets, right? 
but for each peripheral, it has a separate account. Well, depending on what model you've purchased. Well, I think like yeah, each it's you're going to want each of your uh, each, well, hmm. Yeah, I mean that'll kind of depend per kid, I guess. Um, yeah, I think you're gonna want separate per kid logging, so that could be accomplished per mass. Um, in any case, uh, uploading or oh, sorry, up uh, sort of uh, what was the word you were using? Um, escalation, escalation mm-hmm. per mass. Um, I think that the you know we're not gonna want to f- spend any on sort of um, this mass is is static. Like at most, it heaves. Um, maybe it heaves and maybe it might toss a little bit, like a, a little bit of a, um, it, we can't have it roll all the way over because then the illusion is, you know, ruined and they'll just see that the no, other side a is also a massive hair. Yeah. It's just bag of hair. And right. <laughs> that's the, that's a level of fear we're not trying to get. Yeah. And I, I frankly, cyber skin is expensive. Like, and that, that's mostly sort of used for other applications. There's a real huge uncanny Valley situation there. Let's stick, <laughs> let's stay away from, right. from a molded face copy of your no, significant other. I mean, the heaving mass is going to be most effective in beds where the one side of the bed is against the wall. So, you know, it can sort of be facing away from the child. Um, but in, but you, you can build a lot with, uh, what they don't see. I just watched gremlins last night and uh, for the first time actually. And, um, I was impressed at how often gremlins pulls like old fifties horror tricks where, um, there's uh they they don't show you what actually happens like in one scene the gremlin is uh he's ripped open the um the control for the traffic light and he's cackling and he's he's you know zapping the traffic light wires together and all you see at that point is a shot of the traffic light changing and then you hear like a foley sound of car wreck and that's it they don't they didn't even like need a car for that scene right all of it was implied and all, all they needed was a efficient. traffic light. Yeah, it's very efficient. So what I'm saying is um, the escalation, there just needs to be a little bit of an implication of threat there. Like we already have a gyro in this thing, uh, probably doing some heaving. Um, maybe we just have like a, a mode where it kind of throws all its weight to one side and implies that the, the mom's about to jerk around and, and do something. Yeah. yeah, this is perfect. I can see it right now because we can't follow through with these threats, obviously. There's a rhythmic heaving, as mm-hmm. aforementioned, and then the escalation, like you're saying, it might abruptly raise to its full heave, uh-huh. leaning towards the child and freeze sort there for of a couple loom. seconds. Yeah, a loom right, would be that, good. that very yeah. much, just with body language, without even words, that indicates... Uh, yeah. Let's back down now. And I mean, it's perfect. I think that'll work well for smaller children that are significantly smaller than the heaving mass. Um, that'll be nice and intimidating and that'll get them to be quiet. Um, the other option is, well, you just said the word threats. Um, I, I, I can speak from experience. Uh, there's a lot that can be communicated at the bottom of sort of your vocal register in the middle of the night that is a very threatening uh, and usually it's from one parent to the other, but I mean, I've also said, I've, I've been personally, I will, I will say I've personally been responsible for, uh, threatening Felix, uh, for, you know, she kicks me in the head one more time, uh, while she's cuddling that kind of a thing. So I think that like a library of threats or maybe even some of our similar Markov generation technology, um, could be uploaded into this heaving mass to where like at a certain escalation level, it starts muttering threats against you. Yeah, it definitely needs to mutter. They, mm-hmm. it, there needs to be this, it, and it, it, it might not even have to use real words. It's all in the tone and yeah. the Ooh, urgency of the voice, and yeah. it might be more effective if they're not quite sure what it's saying. Sort of a muffled, guttural uh, sort of growl. Um, it's like semi-lingual, uh, uh, like ominous right. growl, and occasionally it, you know, it might rise above audible level. You'll hear your dad, you know, and then it goes <laughs> back down. Yeah, I, I'm definitely invoking uh, pronouns. Maybe occasionally, <laughs> just like one, 
one like audible verb or just like I swear or something like that. Yes, right, this is I swear if your I, dad. Yeah, I, I no mean that, more. That's basically what what uh, that parallels my personal experience with this, um, both as a giver and a receiver of of sort of midnight muttered threats. Um, <laughs> So I, I think that that worked really well, and and then okay. you know we we save on material costs for the wall side of the the heaving mass, and yep, just a faceless horror, right? And we don't, and we we're, we're reusing again. This is very resourceful. We we're just all, we're using the same tech here. We're just using it to you know we have a hundred hundred odd pounds to play around with, um, and that keeps uh, the, that keeps the base low effort as well. We can put more effort into the. Oh yeah, the base at this point is just full of Cheez-Its. There's not <laughs> Cheez-Its in a Bluetooth module, and that's that, it. That reminds me, from the the app, I'm gonna need a dispense snack button in emergencies because if things are really getting out of hand, I'm just gonna need to start shooting Cheez-Its at these kids to shut them up. And now, now we're we're on the cusp of what I would consider be to be an entire sort of like bedtime. Uh, service product family because if my children have like a spider arm able to deliver them snacks and and drinks in the middle of the night now i'm wanting one you know what i mean like i'm i'm not i I would quickly become jealous you know what i would become jealous of almost every feature abigail can tell you that she often falls asleep to me rambling on about some kind of semi-philosophical topic. Oh. So if I had a robot who was engaging me in that talk, however absurdly, and providing me snacks, I could really get down with this. Yeah, I, I think that the sort of the heaving mass thing is unnecessary and also getting us into what I think is some existing product territory when it comes to like cyber skin uh, individuals in people's beds. Yeah, we don't want to like yeah. step into other um, already established uh, sort markets. Of a, sort of adult oriented markets. So, and also you, you already have that like you're like, uh, again, this is a you know, I'm not I'm not ruling this pro these these product out for any sort of like familial format, but the specific uh, what what you're talking about at this point is something to alleviate some spousal spousal need, um, oh, sort of completely. outside of the heaving mass part. Because I feel like wives and husbands are very good at being warm heaving masses um, when they're sleeping. But like, yeah, this is liberating Abigail from these conversations and also liberating you from having to go to another room for snacks. And who doesn't love a dispense snack button, just like in almost any context? I, w- I wouldn't even have to be hungry. It would take me a while to get over that initial I can press the button phase. Mm-hmm. I, I have like sort of honeymoon uneaten, phase. Yeah. 10 uneaten snacks sitting on my nightstand, and I'm like, all right, Brock, get it under control. Yeah. I mean, in any dispenser in a household format is going to up your uh, consumption of the dispensed item uh, exponentially. Like I have a soda stream now, and I drink 100 times more. Uh, fizzy water than I did prior. Um, I drink. I, I, at this point, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, you're saying that. Yeah, at this point, I have it's like Soda Stream. Oh my gosh, we partnerships are just selling themselves. Oh yeah, I, especially for the uh, for the adults, like uh, being able to like have a sort of a on the go bar. <laughs> a wet bar. Well, I mean, yeah, and this this is where you're sort of put, could potentially run into trouble because if I have like a mini fridge full of cold ones, um, that's. I mean, again, I guess you can fill Okay, it with- both spouses have access to uh, program its capabilities, its yeah. limits. I guess and, you can s- such, stock so. it with whatever product. Um, of course, not. you can't just put cold ones in there. You have to buy ones that are, that are licensed and form-factored for the claw. Um, so th- that's another partnership opportunity. And definitely. And I, I can see that. I can see immediately that as much as Abigail would like to have a surrogate to engage in late night conversations with me over, at some point she's going to wake up and it's 4 Mm a.m. and uh, I'm going to be chatting, (laughs) I'm going to be loudly uh, chatting with my robot about the 
nature of the existence of God, mm-hmm. and she's going to be like, it's time to get some sleep, and you're keeping me awake. So she could set a latest time, say 1.30 a.m., the robot transitions away from conversation and tries to get me to go to sleep in some way. Because mm. I could use help going to sleep sometimes. Mm. Well, well, what would, what would I mean, so far our robots, if you know, unless we start to increase the sort of uh, feature capability library-wise, our robots are capable of, um, you know, uh, any. they're capable of generating uh, ex- uh, existential quandaries. They're capable of generating uh, Lovecraftian horror. And they're capable of veiled threats. Um, sort of muffled veiled threats. Is there, is, would one of those help you sleep? No. You know what would get me to go to sleep is if it started talking about my obligations for the next day, I would immediately be, okay, I'm, and it's not so much that I'm responsible and I think, yeah, you're right, I should get some sleep. It's just that sleep, when you have a lot of responsibilities, is this golden moment of no one can make you do anything right then. Mm. And so it would definitely make me think, mm, I need to enjoy this sleep while I can. Well, and also you're going to want the robot to shut up uh, because you don't want to, like, I don't know about you, but I, the last thing I want to hear at 1 o'clock in the morning is a list of things that I have to do the next day. Um, like, if, the, if I was sitting there at 1 o'clock and, and you know, I'm... I'm, I'm uh, oh, it's... Three fizzy waters deep, and uh, there's like a pile of wrappers next to me, and the robot says, you have to wake up and record a podcast in five hours and 33 minutes. And Shannon Shannon set your mixed drinks limit to two, and you've already used those Oh, yeah. No, the robots, yeah, that's sealed away. Um, And all the robot dispenses at that point is maybe just like lukewarm tap water. I mean, they're... Boy, the amount of, uh, I guess you're going to need sort of like separate pin codes for husband and wife here and then sort of accountability metrics or something. Yes. Of course, all yeah, this yeah, is yeah. being reported on a blog too. So like, uh, everyone um, knows what, well, your subscribers let's just know. say by default, it's deployed to the blog and mm. you can pay extra to have certain things censored. Oh, sort of you, like so at that social. point, so you're paying you're paying for uh people are paying for access to the blog, but then you're also paying to not publish. I love it. So there's yeah, yeah, because you it's basically subsidized. Our costs are subsidized by uh web traffic to these blogs. So they can pay to reduce the amount of information that they're putting out. Oh, maybe readers can also pay to uh like maybe we provide a maximum amount of information and then either you as a publisher can um, pay to reduce the information or your readers can pay to not know about certain things that the robot's going to be reporting on because the robot's going to be reporting on everything. Definitely. Mm. Not everybody wants to hear that. Um, yeah, but they, yeah, they have so to pay. I think, yeah. I, think, I think the same, and we can use a lot of the same logic systems. I think if after the bedtime point, the robot won't remind me of my activities unless I try to engage with it. So I'm, you know, it's like time for bed and I'm like, okay. And then I I say, you know, but, and it's like, just to remind you, you have an appointment tomorrow at seven. Oh, five. And we'll text you at seven o'clock tomorrow and say seven, 10. You have, you have reached your threshold of drinks and snacks. Uh, hmm. No, I feel like it shouldn't tell me that I've reached my threshold of drinks and snacks. It should just silently judge me. Hmm. That's going to be a lot. Like, that's the top tier of mm. spousal um, escalation, and I don't know how to achieve that. That's something. The silent judging? No, it's easy. We just, you know, <laughs> it just doesn't have to say anything. It just says, mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that, and that one doesn't have to be localized when we go international. <laughs>